morning to everyone. It's good to see you out this morning. There are a number of announcements. The first announcement I want to make is not in your bulletin. Okay, so we want to make sure that you're aware of this. Uh, we have had, uh, we did one on one occasion uh, before a prayer time uh, after the morning service, and we are going to be doing that next Lord's Day after the communion service for all those who wish to stay and, uh, and pray uh, with the congregation at that time. So that's, you're all volunteer, but anyways, we thought that was a wonderful time before and the elders want to continue that. Also, just remember about the clocks this week. <laughs> so anyways, uh, if Pastor Bill forgets, he'll be here a little early. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, also the take note, just in, uh, since the thank offering coming up here in uh, the month of November, uh, you'll see the notice in the bulletin about that. Also, the membership class will be meeting after the service. Uh, second door on your right down the hall. And then also, uh, as I've already noticed, stated, there is communion next week. And also, you may want to take a note about the, uh, the saving that date on December 8th in terms of, of Christmas programs. So... I've already heard from some that are they are thinking of some things to do. So that's that's going to be wonderful. Uh, be praying for the session uh, this week. We have our session meeting this week on Wednesday. Also, uh, I have forgotten to do this on some occasions previously. As a matter of fact, I think on all the occasions previously, and a lot of it was because of my own ignorance. And, and forgetfulness, um, but we have uh, two families who are spending their last uh, Lord's Day with us today. You definitely want to, uh, as they move on uh, to different places, um, and so you would definitely want to greet them and say your goodbyes. Hopefully they won't be goodbyes forever. <laughs> Maybe sometime they'll poke their head in. But anyways, the Zerings are moving to Idaho this week. Okay, so they will be uh, uh, no longer with us and dearly miss Joe and Anna. And then also the Tranthams themselves, they are going to be moving, of course, to uh, in terms of the next assignment, assignment for Michael uh, to Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and it is interesting, Michael has already told me that he has in some ways listen to the services of the OPCR church there, a congregation that I am very familiar with, preached there quite often uh, when I was in Chattanooga. So, um, but anyways, Michael and Kristen and Michael Jr. and Christopher Autumn, <laughs> okay, Addison and Elizabeth and John Mark. This is their last Lord's Day with us. So you want to also... Greet them and uh, wish them well. We're very, very thankful for their lives and um, what the Lord's providence is going to bring to them as they move forward in their lives. Let's come together in silent meditation.
Let us stand. On this Reformation Sunday, a passage that had deep conviction in terms of his studies of the Psalms of Martin Luther, it's Psalm 31, verse 1. I'm going to read for our call of worship this morning, verses 1 and 2. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge to, for me, a strong fortress to save me. Let us turn to our first hymn, A Mighty Fortress, number 92. As you know, that was written by Martin Luther himself, which is based on Psalm 46.
Our great God and Father, we are so thankful for the conquering King, the mighty King, our mighty Deliverer. Yes, Satan has been defeated. He has been defeated upon the cross and with the empty grave. We are so thankful for Christ, for his mercy, for that which is poured out to us in his grace to us, that we may live and may have life in abundance. Bless our worship here today. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. For our responsive reading this morning, I would like to turn to Psalm 119, verses 1 through 24, in the back of your hymnal, number page 829, 829. We will read from Psalm 119, 1 through 24, responsively. Blessed are are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from my mouth, from your mouth. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do good to your servant, and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes, that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. You you rebuke the arrogant who are cursed and who stray from your commands. Remove from me scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. 
though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, your decrees, your precepts, your commandments are holy and righteous. We ask, O God, through the Lord Jesus Christ in his coming in his obedience to your commands, that now through thy spirit thou wilt be the God who writes them upon our hearts, and so that we always are found, even in the words of the psalmist, to pursue, to follow, to seek, and to find your commandments as righteous. Help us, O Lord, to be faithful through thy spirit to the word of the Lord that has come unto us. We ask, O Lord, that our lives would be that which reflects the righteousness that is found in us by the soul righteousness of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us remain seated and let us sing 486, number 486.
praise our God by coming together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as those who understand our sin, how we praise your name, that there can be forgiveness of sin. It is a reality for our sin has been crucified at the cross and we have been released from the bondage of that sin by a resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who thou did give preciously for us. We do not come this morning in arrogance. We do not come in pride. We come only in the humbleness of our own spirit that thy, thy spirit is placed upon us to seek and to find forgiveness of sin. Give us continual repentant hearts for those things which we continue to battle with in terms of our own lives. Help us, O Lord, by your righteousness, by your Spirit to overcome the things that are draining us even in terms of our spiritual richness. 
we ask that we would have the joy of your salvation always in our hearts. For we know there are things in which we endure on earth that continue to come as a battle to us. And we ask, O oh Lord, that we would place our faith alone in Christ who has conquered the evil one. We are thankful, O oh Lord, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful that thou art the one who preserves the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many things that enter the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that are not of thy word, that are not in accordance with the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ has spoken. We think even especially on this day of a rich tradition, a rich tradition of which the word of God, not the word of men, has been that which has directed the church. We ask, O oh God, that as the church meets today, as it assembles, that the church would renew its own heart unto the scriptures and the word of God and its truthfulness. It is the light unto our path. It is the lamp unto our path. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to raise up those who will preach the word faithfully for the harvest is abundant out there. And we know that the proclamation of the word is that which is needed in all the world. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with thy people and with the church and with those who faithfully proclaim that word throughout the world. And may we see the fruits of that preaching in abundance. Our hearts are set upon the church and its, and its even eternal existence. That which is the imagery that we find in Scripture between the bride and the bridegroom. And we ask, O oh Lord, that we would be always those people who see themselves as those who have been included by thy grace. We ask, O oh God, that you would be with the leadership of the church. We ask that you'd be with those who are deacons and elders throughout the various lands and give them continual wisdom and strength in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for those who you've raised up in this very congregation. We ask that you'd be with the session meeting this week and be with the elders and the deacons here. Give them continual oversight and wisdom that only comes from your word and thy spirit. And may thy people here be continually edified. We ask that you'd be with Mark and Jenny Richline in Uruguay. We ask that you'd be with them in a special way as well as they themselves carry on the gospel into a foreign land. 
Bless the ministry there. Bless the new, new associate who has come on and to help them. And we ask that you would provide elders and deacons in that church that will have wisdom and compassion upon thy people. We ask that you'd be with Paul and Sarah Mariliani. We ask that you'd be with them in Missouri. We ask that you would bless his ministry and that you would provide the provision of a potential building for purchase. We would ask that you would provide that for the congregation and that the congregation would continue to grow as they seek a permanent space. Help them, O Lord, to be patient with your timing. But we ask, O Lord, that you would also speedily bring that about. We ask, O God, also that you'd be with the licentiate Ben Peterson as he serves as he serves as stated supply in Trinity OPC there in Bothell. We thank thee for his ministry. We thank thee for his enthusiasm. We thank thee that he does proclaim the gospel each Lord's Day. Continue giving him insight and clarity to the word of God in preparation and also clarity in terms of presentation. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to bless that congregation and that we long to see the day that that congregation is increased. We ask also that you'd be with Sander Fokema. We're so thankful for her life and for the thanksgiving and for the witness that she gives to each one of us, the testimony that continues on her lips concerning the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ each day of her life. We ask that you would continue to bless her in good health. We ask that you be with Dave Friesian. We ask that you be with him as well in terms of his various issues that come upon him in his life. And we ask that you be with him in terms of his own health. We also are continually reminded of the situations within his own family. We ask your blessing upon Connie and his grandson, Travis, as David longs for the day that they would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask also that you would be with Dave Brown's mother. We ask you to be with her as we have learned as she's been having some breathing problems this weekend and, and pain. We ask, O oh Lord, that somehow that there would be a way in which you would bring provision to her concerning the need of oxygen. We ask that you'd be with her through this weekend, and we ask you to be with Dave in terms of words to say to encourage her. Be with the family as well as they discuss the best way to care for her as she remains now in Michigan. Be with Lynn Brown's mother as she is going to have a CT scan on Wednesday this week and a follow-up in the following week. We ask that the imaging of that will show the effectiveness of the chemotherapy. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to bless her and give her a positive spirit in your presence and that you would touch her body in terms of health and recovery. We ask also, O oh Lord, that you'd be with Joe and Anna Zuring. 
We thank thee for their lives. We thank thee for their presence in this congregation over the years. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with them that in terms of their move and that would be a smooth move and that they would continue to prosper in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you be with Michael and Kristen and Michael Jr., Christopher, Autumn, Addison, Elizabeth, and John Mark. We ask you to be with the Trantham family as they now make the long travel all the way to Alabama. We ask for safety on the road and also a wonderful transition to a new place. And we ask that the gospel will continue to go forth in their hearts and in their lives. We place all these things before your name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Number 423. Let us stand and sing number 423. Is that right? It's 520, should be 523? Yes. I'm sorry, Pam. Okay, 523. Okay. We'll give you a second to turn over to 
you would, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I would like to read verses 1 through 13. Listen carefully to the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God. Mark 7, verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well... Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. Let's pray. Our Lord, this incident of our Savior is not only very interesting, but very important in our own Christian lives and walk. We have to be very careful of creating our own traditions outside the word of God. We ask, O God, that we, as a church, as a people, would always comply 
within the bounds of Scripture. Give us those kinds of hearts in our daily lives. In Christ's name, amen. How have you come this morning for worship? What is your heart saying within you concerning worshiping God? How do you understand the God whom you are approaching today in worship? How do you view your piety, godliness, before the God whom you worship? Let each of us seriously reflect upon these questions this morning as Jesus' dialogue confronts each of us. Like a surgeon's knife, allow the incident in our text to expose the religion that dominates your heart this morning. In view of the text, does the religion in your heart add to or subtract from the word of the Lord to measure, to judge your own religious godliness as well as the religious godliness of others. What an interesting text (laughs) on Reformation Sunday. How do we stand before the Lord as righteous? How do we view a righteous and holy walk before him? Do you like to add certain specifications to God's word as to how we stand righteous and walk righteously before the Lord that is not not prescribed in God's word? There are those in Christian circles that hold the necessity of the second blessing of the Holy Spirit. That will not take medications to address illnesses. That must survive snake handling. In the Reformed tradition, there have been those denominations that have maintained that dancing Movies, drinking alcohol, eating at an establishment that serves alcohol could end with those facing discipline by the session or consistory of the church. On the other hand, do you like to subtract from certain specifications to God's word? as to how we stand righteous and walk righteously before the Lord that are not prescribed in God's word. Yes, so-called Christians line up to deny that Jesus Christ is the sole mediator between sinful man 
and their holy creator. That murder of the unborn is justified. That gender identity of a male and a female is too narrow. That same-sex relationships are condoned by a loving God. That irreconcilable differences provide a justified divorce. That living together outside the marriage bond is fine. That killing, stealing, and defacing property is justified under the rubric of social justice. The underlining point that I'm making in connection to our text this morning is this. The true follower and worshiper of the triune God of the Bible will do all they possibly can not to add to, that's legalism, or subtract from in terms of asserting your own human freedom, the specifications found in God's word as to how anyone stands righteous and walks righteously before the Lord. This point, if you're not aware, in terms of the denomination in which you are a member, this point was crucial in the initial years of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church and her identity as a church body. Was the new denomination there in 1936 going to be reformed or was it going to adopt some evangelical and fundamentalist elements that characterize living the Christian life, meaning that the new denomination was going to go on record to condemn, was the point at the time, to condemn dancing, going to movies, and drinking alcoholic beverages. Well, as the fundamentalist element left, left that beginning years of the OPC, the new denomination with respect to those issues of lifestyle, as well also of an issue that dominated those that early years, the question of the millennium. Many wanted the denomination to take a stand and be only pre-mill in terms of the millennium issue. The identity of the OPC with respect to Christian liberty took hold. The position of the new denomination there in the late 30s was simply this. The church will not enforce any position in doctrine and life for the flock of Christ that is not prescribed in scripture and the secondary standards of the church, which means the Westminster Confession of Faith. Or to put it positively, the OPC held 
that she will only prescribe in doctrine and life what is taught in Holy Scripture as summarized in the Westminster Confession of Faith. In terms of those issues in her beginning years, this meant that the church could not bind the conscience of the flock with respect to dancing, movies, and alcohol. Why? Because nowhere in Scripture are these things prohibited by God, either directly or by inference. Of course, they didn't have movies in those days. The OPC saw the importance of only remaining within the parameters of what Scripture teaches about how anyone appears righteous before God. It is solely by the righteousness of Christ and how we are sanctified in Christ by the Holy Spirit to do His will in a life of holiness being conformed to the law of Christ. In those beginning years, the OPC took a lot of grief from other Reformed denominations and the fundamentalists. We were viewed by many as those who had constructed a denomination that abused Christian liberty. The things said about J. Gresham Machen in his own life were immensely slanderous. I hear them even to this day by other reformed bodies about his person. I will not repeat them here over the pulpit because they are quite slanderous. Well, look into your own heart. And examine and participate in Mark's narrative this morning. Who is the God you worship? Well, the story is not that complicated, is it? The Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem are confronting Jesus once again. And they added, they added specification to God's word concerning living the pious and the godly life. The last time we met the scribes from Jerusalem was when those scribes accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. Back in chapter 3, verse 22, it was in that context that Jesus warns that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Well, the scribes from Jerusalem are persistent. <laughs> they return with the Pharisees to confront Jesus about the actions, the religious piety, the religious godliness of his disciples. And Jesus, who in their eyes is their rabbi. Well, as you are reading Mark's narrative, 
you may think this is a good time to make an accusation about Jesus' disciples and to show the incompetency of their so-called Jewish rabbi, Jesus. After all, the last statement that Mark makes in direct commentary about the heart of the disciples is that their hearts are hardened. That is that last statement that we see right there in in the sixth chapter, verse 52. Their hearts are hardened. Indeed, Mark has set us up for the event in our text. The disciples have hard hearts. And Jesus does not seem to be able to get them to follow his directives. What better way than to point out the delinquent practices to the Jewish laws in Jesus' failure to enforce and practice those Jewish laws himself and enforce them upon the disciples. This is best time ever to do that. The disciples have been seen <laughs> to eat their meals with defiled hands. Oh, that's terrible. They do not wash their hands before meals, nor do they wash their hands before eating. When they return home after visiting the marketplace in town, verses 2 and 4. Well, these scribes and Pharisees, <laughs> they're now really on a roll. They do not stop there. The disciples do not even wash ceremonially cups, pots, copper vessels, and the couches upon which they dine. Now take note. We are not talking about washing hands, dishes, and couches in the context of personal hygiene. That's not the issue here. <laughs> we are talking about a religious, cultic ritual of purification. What we are talking about is a ritual constructed by the tradition of the Jewish elders. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5. Mark repeats this point three times in the narrative. So that there is no mistake and there is no ambiguity. These are man-made legalistic rules of religious piety and godliness. These laws are not, are not found in God's word. Concerning the ritual purity of the food laws presented in Leviticus. There is no, absolutely no mentioning of washing of hands. 
And thus nothing on which the Jewish elders can base their man-made laws. There's nothing. Hence the thought here is this by scholars, that the elders took the practice of the priests ceremonially washing their hands and their feet prior to entering the tabernacle. Exodus 30, verse 19. Exodus 40, verse 13. And, listen carefully, and constructed their own position of the priesthood of all believers. Requiring all in priestly purification fashion to wash all things pertaining to eating food when there's nothing in the Old Testament about that. By living a life tied to legalistic laws, the Pharisees and the scribes of Jerusalem cannot recognize the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets who is personally standing right before them. Crippled, crippled by legalism will always have the negative effect of grasping the identity of Jesus Christ and understanding the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. What is the result of following and constructing the traditions of men? Self-imposed laws of religious piety that are not found in Scripture. The result is found In Isaiah, which Jesus here quotes appropriately for this occasion. These Jews go around honoring God and with their lips. (laughs) Oh, the lips of religious piety that flows from people's mouths. But their heart, yes, their heart is far from the Lord. Therefore, their worship of the Lord is completely in vain. After all, their gospel teaching are doctrines that make commandments for men. Isaiah 29.13 is what Jesus quotes. Are we listening? Do you come to worship this morning with your own doctrines and commandments of what you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about? Is it a construct of your own mind and heart? Is your worship in the tradition of your family or even yourself? Or does it conform to the word of God? Does Jesus' accusation of the Pharisees 
and the scribes fit you. You leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of men. Verse 8. Yes, do not, you do not want to miss the profound revelatory construct of verse 8. Of verse 8. There are three contrasting pairs stated by Jesus in this verse. Leave. Hold. Commandment, tradition, God, man. The fundamental contrast is the final contrast. God, man. The Jews have left the commandments, putting this all together in this verse 8. The Jews have left the commandments in order to hold on to tradition. This transition has forsaken God in order to embrace a secular, man-centered religion. Adding man-made imperatives to establish godly living is not the religion of biblical revelation. We must examine our own hearts of such religious constructs. Then Jesus moves to another example before the Pharisees and the scribes that reflects his comment here in verse 8. This time, however, Jesus references an actual commandment from the table of the law. He references the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, Exodus 20, verse 12. In the previous situations, the Jews added purification rites in washing hands as a binding expression of pious living. In the situation described here in verses 9 through 13, the elders, the Jewish elders, have subtracted, subtracted from the word of God. Specifically, they have subtracted the application to the fifth commandment. The elders had created a condition in which a son would not have to honor, not have to honor his father or mother. The condition that Jesus addresses here has to do with the financial means of the son caring for his parents. To place the situation in our own context is quite simple. The son's parents are struggling financially. Most likely the description here in terms of the reference is that it's sort of towards the end of their lives. 
prior to the parents entering this financial strain, the son committed his extra funds to Corbin. What does that mean? Meaning he took an oath to give his extra finances to the Lord. Corbin was biblically warranted in the Old Testament priestly tradition, which always meant an offering made to the Lord. Well, as Jesus points out, the Pharisees, scribes, and Jewish elders now say that if a son has said Corbin about his extra financial gains, that money, by oath, must go to the hierarchy of the religious community. The son is free from any obligation now to care for his parents. The son is free from honoring his mother and father. They have canceled subtracted from the Lord's commandment by invoking the tradition of Corbin to benefit their own financial pockets. This is evil. And if there's any question about how evil it is, then listen to your Savior. He quotes Exodus 21, 17, there in verse 10, with the fifth commandment. Whoever curses father or mother must surely die. You see the seriousness of this? And do you also see that Christ is upholding the word of God? The word of God. This included not only cursing one's parents in the name of God, but also those who treated one's parents with contempt. Not caring financially for your parents is honoring them as well as showing contempt for them. To line their own pockets, they release the son from any obligation. To the fifth commandment. This is a serious perversion of God's word and their actions, as even Jesus is pointing out in the text, is hypocrisy. We may add in our own day hypocrisy on steroids. The scribes were turning the religion of sovereign grace in the Old Testament into a religion in which their human tradition, whether adding conditions for pious and godly living or subtracting from the commandments that have their, com- have their fulfillment only in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. They had been busy for years For decades, even millenniums, they had been busy in that situation 
to create a brand new religion that was works, merit-based, which would be absolutely foreign to the continuity of saving grace by faith alone as the bedrock of biblical religion. A religion that can only save sinners by the righteousness of Christ's obedience to the law of God, given to our account solely by grace, justification, and applied by the Holy Spirit so that our life of godliness is the workmanship of Christ alone in the blessed reward of sanctification. Only here lies freedom in Christ so precious. Do not forget the words of Paul. Do I sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The law is still good to expose our sin and flee us to the need of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is not dismissed or abrogated, as the confession says, in Christ's coming. In fact, the law is our reward as those freely given God's grace in Christ. Is this the Christ who you came to worship today? I hope so. I hope so. Because only in the Christ of the Bible is your worship not in vain. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the blessing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that you would always conform our hearts to that which is the image of Christ as also Christ himself has given to us a letter on which we understand true religion. That letter is the Holy Bible. We ask, O God, that we would always be those who carefully, carefully set out in our own lives only to prescribe upon ourselves and upon others that which the scripture itself teaches. Keep us, keep us sanctified within the bounds of thy word and help us, O Lord, to faithfully live in that word. In Christ's name, amen. Number 243, number 243.
Lord and our God, we are so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, through his active and passive obedience to the cross, has redeemed us. What a gift it is to each of our souls. We ask, O Lord, that you would be blessed by these gifts which thy believing people give unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. Let us worship our Lord and our God with our tithes and offerings. You can be seated. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen.